Our scripture for today does come from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Here are these words. Everybody who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise builder who built a house on bedrock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against that house. It didn't fall because it was firmly set on bedrock. But everybody who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice will be like a fool who built his house on sand or mulch. The rain fell, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against the house. It fell and was completely destroyed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I am not a car guy. I know car guys. Car guys are great. Or car girls. Those are wonderful. But I am, I am not. I never was one. I wasn't interested in cars growing up when, when car guys or car girls were learning about cars and how they actually work and how to change oil and that kind of stuff. I was probably practicing my base and doing scales and those kinds of things. Um, I didn't want to drive when I was 16. Um, my mother had to um, convince me to, to drive um, with, with threats of what would happen if they had to go to the hospital. And I was like, okay, mom, I got it. I got it. I'll go to, I'll go to driver's ed. I'll figure this out. I'll drive. Um, but but I, wasn't, I wasn't too interested. It was just an A to B kind of relationship, me and cars. But last year, I became very interested in Formula One racing. <laughs> now, part of this was watching the Netflix show Drive to Survive, which is like crazy dramatic. Um, but another part is I, I shared this story the Sunday after Christmas, but um, I needed a sports outlet after the Astros blew another World Series. <laughs> I needed to find a sport I didn't have any emotional baggage tied to that I could just watch and enjoy and then turn it off and do something else and not like stand up and pace for, for three hours. I was realizing that's not as, it's not as much fun to just like standing up and pacing and like craving commercial breaks because at least you, wouldn't, you can't lose during a commercial break. Um, <laughs> When, uh, when Duke was in the Final Four, uh, there was a member of the church asked me if I was excited for the game, and I, I just said, no, um, my sports heart is dead inside. <laughs> um, I, just, I just couldn't, I, I, you know, I, I watched part of the game that they unfortunately lost, but I just I didn't, couldn't invest enough into it, which is what I got, got excited about Formula One, because I just had no connection, no prior history, and it's like a passport to the world. It's all these exotic locations all over the world, and these drivers from different countries, and different strategies, and the cultures, and the, the engineering aspect of it. It was, really, it was really interesting. I really, really dug into it. And so, as I do with all the things I dig into, I, I read a book. And so there's this great book called How to Build a Car by Adrian Newey, who's the... Uh, chief engineer and designer for the Red Bull Racing Team, which won the Drivers' Championship last year in spurious circumstances, which are a, a different sermon. I will preach about someday when I have all, some, someday all my sermons will have Formula One. <laughs> but, but one of the things that uh, he, the, the book is really fascinating because it talks about all the cars he designed over the years and as well as his life. And what he shows is that in the engineering side 
of the race car, they always come back to this question, the basic simple question, what is a car? What is a car? Automotive companies around the world can't really start with this question. They have to start with, with different ones about how they can maximize profit. And usually that has to do with scaling up to a lot. When Toyota designs a car, they aren't designing one. They're designing it to be built a million times or more. When a Formula One team designs a car, it's only to be built twice. And so they also don't have these, these limits on, on profit. They're trying to win around 20 races at 50 places, 50 different tracks, 50 laps around these tracks in different places around the world. That is the goal. What, if, what do you do if you're only trying to do the best? You're not trying to maximize profit. You're not trying to sell anything. You're just trying to win these races. What, how do you build that car? And this made me think about the church and that basic question, what is the church? And what is the church at its best? What is the church if we don't have these kinds of baggage behind us, these different, different legacies? What, is the church, what can the church be? Not just an activity center or a membership role. What is the body of Christ at its best? Now, when starting a new design for a car in Formula One, the engineers always have to come back to the chassis. Now, car guys and car girls know what a chassis is. I didn't know what the word meant a year ago. That's how ignorant I was. And, um, but it's, it's a strange word because you don't really think about It's a French word. You don't really think about France in the development of cars. <laughs> um, you know, the, the first car came out of, out of Germany, and then there's the Detroit and, and General Motors and Ford and these kinds of designs. But the word chassis is a very French car. It's used to describe um, the structure of a wagon. It's the base of a wagon, all the, all the wood around it. And the reason why we use that word in French, this French word all over the world to describe the base of a car, is because of a man named Charles Weimann, or Charles Wyman. And Charles Wyman was, he had an American father and a French, and a Haitian mother, but he grew up in France. He flew, uh, test, he was a test pilot in France before World War I. And he flew for France during the war. He won the Legion d'honneur um, during it. And afterwards, he, he took his aeronautical expertise into automobile design. And in 1921, he developed the Weimann system, or the Wyman system, which before, before 1921, what was going on in, in the world of, of cars was you, you had an engine, and you just stuck it on the back of a wagon and, and, and ran, ran with it. And that was the design of most cars. And it was this solid wooden structure, and it was really loud and clunky and noisy and uncomfortable. And there weren't very many people who could afford them. It was, it was very expensive and uncomfortable. And what, what Wyman did was that he, he took the, the, the base structure, instead of it being like a solid block of wood, um, it was he, a bunch of wooden joints with, uh, or wood with metal joints and put together and wrapped it in chicken wire and wrapped it again in fabric and had a, a movable base that was comfortable to sit on and that you could eventually like add more power to because it wasn't stiff in this kind of way. Now, about uh, 10 years later, cars started getting heavier and they started, there was a new innovation that added metal plates, but the chassis remained, and the word chassis remained throughout automotive legacies. If your car's chassis breaks, you're kind of done for. Um, there's not like a chassis repair shop down, 
down the road. A car, there is no car without a chassis. There is no car without a chassis. What is the chassis of the church? What is, what is the foundation? What is the sine qua non, the without which there is nothing of the church? Now, I love the great old hymn, the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is good and this is true, but Jesus gives us another way to look at the foundation in this common parable that is repeated again and again. It's a beautiful story that, that is, you can engage in wonderful ways with children, even with mulch, you can engage this parable. Everybody who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise builder who built a house on bedrock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it didn't fall because it was firmly set on bedrock. But everybody who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice will be like a fool who built their house on a sand. Now, what is elemental to our understanding of this passage, and that I've missed, really, until preparing the sermon, was that both the house on the sand and the house on the rock hear the word of God. They both receive it. It's not like only one of them hears it um, and the other doesn't. They both hear the word of God. One side hears the word of God and responds. The other does not. The word of God causes activity in someone. It causes a response or else it lands on sand that will not stand. So when we think about the church, we cannot begin with what we like or we don't like, with what makes us comfortable or uncomfortable. We cannot begin with the wonderful histories of our church. We cannot begin with ideas about controversial subjects in the news. We cannot begin by what we think a Christian is or isn't. We cannot begin with anything you find at a Christian bookstore. We cannot begin with any of these foundations because each of these in their own way is like building house on sand. They are stagnant. To build a house on what we like or what we don't like is like building house on sand because tastes change. What you liked when you were three is probably not the exact same thing as what you like now, except for maybe ice cream. But otherwise, your tastes have probably changed over the years. If we build a church just on worship style or or program ministries, it is like building on sand. The first Sunday school classes in the Methodist movement in the 1740s focused more on teaching kids how to read than anything else because there weren't other opportunities for children to learn how to read. They they couldn't teach the kids the, the stories of the Bible without the base knowledge of that, but that has changed over time. That has changed over time. 20 years ago, Church consultants would come around to churches like Bee Creek before, um, or churches around the area, and say, you know what you need more than anything else? You know what the key to success in ministry is? Parking lots. That's it. Parking space. This is it. You get, you get 20% more parking, more people will come. It's like, really, this is, you could look at like in the late 90s, people were selling millions of copies of books. That The basic argument was the church will grow if you have more parking. <laughs> times, times change. It's like building a house on the sand. You know, worship styles is another one. People say, you know, unless, unless you get rid of that organ and bring in the guitar, um, that, that's what's going to save you. Now, I, I love our music. I love Jim's music selection, all these kinds of things. But we cannot stand just on that. If we try and stand only on our worship style, it is like building a house on sand. 
Other church consultants would say, if, you know, if your sanctuary ever gets to 80% filled, that means you have to build more or else it's going to start shrinking. Um, again, like that's like building a house on sand. It is, it is a time-limited idea. It is not based on the word of God and putting it into action. If we think still about about the car, this metaphor of the chassis, what does what the best kind of chassis look like in the, in the modern Formula One car? Adrian Newey says that there are four main goals when you're building a chassis. One is to ensure that the tires are presented to the ground in an even and consistent manner. Two, to ensure the car is as light as possible. Three, to ensure that the car generates as little drag as possible. Four, to ensure that the car is generating as much downforce as possible. If your car is not stable, light, and balanced, if your foundation is not stable, light, and balanced, you are not going to be at your best. Churches build buildings, but the church is not a building. It is the people of Christ who are gathered here. The chassis of a car helps the car stay in motion. It keeps it moving. The church is designed to move. We are designed to move to not stay the exact same. The motion of the church is that our population is never stagnant. Today is, is Confirmation Sunday, and so at the 11 a.m. service, we are confirming three wonderful young people into the church. It is not Conformation Sunday. It is not about them conforming to what our expectations of them are. It is about conf- them confirming their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It is an amazing step of faith. But to welcome in young people into the church means that we have to be willing to listen to them and to respond to them. And that oftentimes means changing a little bit, means moving a little bit. We cannot stay the same. If our confirmands don't change us as a church by what they offer, then we are not giving them space. Then we are continuing to build a church on sand. We are called to invite others in to the church, to offer offer them a life that makes them want to join the body of Christ. Hearing and doing the word of God means living the faith and sharing the faith with our children and our neighbors. Matthew 7, where this verse occurs, is near at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And this great passage that tells us what the kingdom of heaven is like. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They are the ones who put it into practice. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is what it means to put the word of God into practice. The whole Beatitudes, the whole Sermon on the Mount, this is the word of God put into practice. And so for us as the church, let us put into practice what God has told us to do. Let us hear the word of God and then actually love our neighbors. Let's build a strong chassis that is going to handle the turns in this world. We're starting a conversation at this church about the future of our church, of Bee Creek UMC, about where we're going, who we are, and who we want to be. There are a lot of people here and a lot of people who are going to be watching us online later who have encountered God in this place. Next year will be uh, 20 years since the church was chartered originally. And there are people, and it's a short amount of time, and I'm only the third pastor who's been appointed here, but different people have encountered this church at different seasons of its life and have seen different ideas of God here and ways of being God 
here. And they've joined the church for different reasons. There are people who have seen it at its best in different ways. But, but for us to really be our best and to build this church on the rock, we cannot build it on our own personal expectations, but on hearing the word of God and putting it into practice. We must live out that life together. We're still in the season of Easter. We must live in such a way as if Jesus did rise from the dead. We must live in such a way that only makes sense because of who Jesus is. If we can do that, our foundation is strong. If our activities and life together make sense only because of the resurrection, then we are truly the church of God. If you can take away the resurrection and it still kind of makes sense what we're doing, then we are missing the mark of what God is calling us to be. My brothers and sisters, my, our foundation doesn't begin with what other people do, but with what we do. And we have to start right where we are. Start right where you are. Are you living a life on the foundation of Christ's word and putting it into practice? If so, praise God. Invite others into that. If not, there is grace for you. There is grace for each of us. The powerful movement of the Holy Spirit is not by guilt, but by inspiration. God is calling us to a life, to a new step towards grace this week. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank, for, thank you for your love in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the firm foundation that is both your son and a life lived following him. Help us to continue to build that firm foundation here. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.